I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Mama, 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 mama. Interesting, cool, South African, relevant yeah. content yeah. Um, on where we were at. Mm-hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mommy's a bounce. Mommy's a bounce. Is mama the Jesus. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight. Mama. 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 Hey, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. So today is really the first episode, um, and Dee and I are pushing back champagne um in a way to kind of make this as easy for both of us as possible but um i thought that maybe we could just start off d by just saying a little bit about who we are so maybe you want to go first so i am I suppose an, a young academic um i work at Wits university and i teach in media studies there um but i suppose we are both of us kind of aspirationally many things um, I'm also a mom to a two and a half year old. Um, I, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> this is Kathleen again. So I have kind of um, gone into the corporate world. I work in sustainability um, for an insurance company in South Africa and um, went into the corporate world. Uh, be- well, I've, I've been consulting independently before then as a researcher and as a writer and thoroughly enjoyed it, but didn't provide the stability that I needed and decided to have a baby. So went into corporates to kind of get the maternity benefits of being there. Um, and although I think that it's been hugely helpful from a practical perspective, there's definitely kind of a calling to be more creative, tap into my creative side um, and generate content, both in terms of word, but also this podcast being um, hugely important for me. Um, I became a mom about close on three years ago. Uh, my son is two two years and nine months um, and I'm now in my second trimester, just, <laughs> um, of the second baby. Yeah, so that's just gone in. Yeah, just gone in. Woo-hoo. Decided to get it over and done with, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this, this MWA for, for me anyway, Dia, maybe we can, you can, you can add in here, mm-hmm. um, but MWA for me is very much about um when i was pregnant and and um we were pregnant together actually when we were pregnant and had the babies i felt like there wasn't any kind of um interesting cool south african relevant yeah. content yeah um on where we were at mm-hmm. and that a lot of the stuff that we saw was kind of mamish I yeah hate, yeah i hate to say it all and was so, white so. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we spoke a lot and like, actually you were in the UK and so you were exposed yeah. to a lot more and you like showed me Galdem magazine and like yes. there was some interesting stuff around, around motherhood, around that. Um, and you were, you were just sending me like a lot more interesting blog uh, posts and that kind of thing sure. from, from other parts of the world, but there wasn't something sure. that was South African anchored. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I think that finally, like, like you reach the two year mark, as you know, uh, with your kid and you can finally kind of yeah. breathe a little bit You're out of the twilight zone. Jesus. Yeah. 
a weird, yeah. Problem. You're in another zone, but you're totally out of the twilight zone. Yeah. So for me, I just felt like actually now's the time to kind of generate the content that we want to see. And sure. we have really like super interesting conversations. Yeah. You were um, three months, you fell pregnant three months after me. Mm-hmm. And that was incredible for me because you're, you're my bestie. We walked the same kind of journey. We both had boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. And it's been cool. I mean, the... We had such different pregnancies. So, I mean, I, so I was finishing off, as you know, obviously, but I was finishing off this PhD in the UK. Um, You know, my partner at the time and I, we thought it just wouldn't happen as quickly as it did. Yeah. It just did happen (laughs) quickly. So, um, yeah. And I, 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 I'm a bit confused about the day, but there is a kind of clarity about it. It's very weird. So I had been, because I was in that phase of doing a PhD where you are kind of balls to the wall and just completely in your own world yeah. and just didn't realize that I was pregnant. So I was still working out quite hectically and working long hours, doing all the things, mm. working long hours. Mm. And I remember I had come from gym that day and... um he was still based in South Africa, but was there for a few months. Mm. And I got back to the flat and he was on his way out. Um, and I, he was still like from this apartment, you could see the bus stop. Mm. Um, and I went inside and shower or anything. I just, you know, peed on the stick. Had you bought the stick on your way back from gym or like where you were coming from? I think so. Or did you have it at home? I don't know that part, but I had... <laughs> pregnancy test okay and i took it and there was this weird moment where i was just like this fucking thing's going to be positive yeah. and it was yeah and i i called him I and i was like know. dude you just know yeah you just know yeah. i was like dude you just can't board the fucking bus get off the bus if you're on it just get off at the next stop walk back Come back <laughs> he hadn't gotten on yet he then came back, came into the house and he had this feather with him and he was just like, yeah, I know, I know what you're about to tell me. And it was this really weird moment where he we both kind of, he had a feather. I don't know he had a feather. He had what a was feather. The feather about? <laughs> Girl, who knows? But he had a feather. <laughs> so, yeah. So he had a feather and, um, yeah, that's how we knew. And I was, I think I had about four or five months to go, I think. So I, I found out, I think I must have found out in about September or something and I was born in May. So maybe mm. I wasn't that far along. But anyway, mm. the point is that, mm. you know, it's not like I was, I didn't realize early, which mm. I know is different for you, mm. which, you know, maybe you can tell us a bit, now, a bit about now. And then of course, I mean, we were just like on the other side of the world. So mm. just this weird thing, phoning home saying, mm. yo, people. Um, and then suddenly there was this expectation for me anyway, of these two babies being mm. birthed. Cause I've always felt like, and I think that, you know, for people who, who do theses, they feel like they are yeah, kind of birthing something sure. special, yeah. you know? And, um, and one had to be birthed before the other one had to be birthed before the other. And, <laughs> yeah. and that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and it still feels like a big deal when I think back on it, yeah. but you know, as we know, almost three years in for both of us, yeah. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so maybe, I don't know. How did you find out? I can't remember. I think I remember receiving a message. Fuck, I actually don't remember. So I I think you're right. I think I've always known, like quite early on, like when I'm pregnant. And this was no different. Like 
fuck i think it was probably about four weeks and a couple of days yeah and i yeah. went off and bought a pregnancy test but also for me and i don't know if this is the same kind of thing for you because it sounds mm. like you were so busy i just walked into a job sure yeah our context was so literally different. just Talk walked into a job yeah. yeah and yeah. the job wasn't fully fledged yet because it hadn't been like i ha- i was meant to define the role yes which exciting but at the same time when you're when i'm pregnant i always feel like i'm under i'm existing underwater sure um like really hazy and i think with with yeah. my son the, the, i mean with akani and, and that's his name um the pregnancy was was hard yeah he was big i get big quickly i just like inflate like a little fucking balloon mm-hmm. not little mm-hmm. um and i think that i just felt like quite underwater i had nausea from the jump i was exhausted mm-hmm. from the jump we were going into to work myself and my husband at the time because he was he was working also in the same area so we were driving in together um at 6 30 in the morning Sure. So I'd get in early, we would leave, I would leave fairly early, he would mm. leave a bit later. And I would just get, I remember coming home and like literally switching off all the lights at six and being like, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> in fact, the whole household is going to bed. I you saying that. I remember you saying that. I just felt like nothing yeah. was possible. I yeah. felt like, like I'm an avid reader. I read shitloads, sure. as you know. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoy like just engaging in various different things, going to theater, seeing yeah, live yeah. music, jazz, mm-hmm. none, none of that like super artsy fartsy shit. I also like hip hop and like partying and getting down with the rest. But like, I just felt like I became half a person. I felt yeah. like all my energies were being channeled to this. I almost felt like it was parasitical, like without it being. It is, babe. It's totally parasitical. It is parasitical. Yeah. I said that to someone the other day and they were really offended. Yeah. They were like, how can you say that? I know, it's just like, but that's what it is. A thing is living inside you and like completely and actually feeding off of you for its basic well-being and existence. I mean, it's totally parasitical. So, and I mean, Agani was big. When he was born, he was 4.64 and it it was a natural vaginal birth. It was it was amazing because myself and my partner really went in divergent like sure. parts. Yeah, you guys were so fucking on Jesus what about mean? the doing the prep and we the... were good about doing the prep. So yeah. we did that shit together, right? Yeah, and yeah. I was very clear that I wanted to have this kind of birth. Mm. Uh, my mom had me via C C section. She had my brother nineteen years later via C section. She tried mm. for a natural, couldn't have a natural. So there was a whole sense of like, shit, is this even possible? What does this look like for me? Because sure. you really do look to your mom in a in a weird way. At in that a way time. that you've never done before right yeah, yeah yeah and like physically as well you like look at her body and ask yourself what your, you you benchmark your capabilities off of her body in a way yeah so um we we ended up going through like a lot of prep we did the antenatal classes we did the hypnobirthing classes yes. we were in classes all the time mm. but in our day-to-day life existence we were on totally different pages sure and i think that that's also I think that there is something natural about that especially the first mm. kid with the, with this particular partner like mm. the first kid with 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 a partner. Mm. Um, I do think that it's easy to kind of just be in different books, writing yeah. different narratives, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was very much our lived reality. He thought I was crazy. I thought he was a bit, bit of an asshole. Yeah. Um, I just didn't think he was sympathetic or got totally. where I was coming from and what was happening to my body. I didn't get where, where what I was, what was happening to my body. Yeah. I couldn't even explain it to him. I didn't have the words. Mm. I had been writing up until that point And then there's like a distinctive, like break in my journal writing from that time to mm. when two I think two years after Akani was born because mm. I didn't have the words for what was happening both to my body to my my health my mental space like all of yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. so when we had the birth I was in labor for 16 hours and we had it at a at a midwife uh kind of center mm. midwife-led center in Johannesburg 
Um, and it was, it was really dope because I felt like it was a healing kind of full circle for us. Yeah. Um, that we were back kind of on the same page, not quite because he was my birth partner and he, and he was able to support that process and really saw me mm. at my most vulnerable yeah, yeah, yeah. and probably yeah. also my most like dark because I did have a block mm. and just wouldn't go past six centimeters for a while. Sure. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that's, that's our story. And I got, he's a big boy. He's a jovial boy. He's mm -hmm. a boy's boy, which is super weird for me. Like a super masculine energy has come out of me. And that's always something that's interesting for me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I'm a highly feminine, um, energy, but I do mm -hmm. think that being a feminist, being raised mm -hmm. by a single mom, having a lot of really strong female friends, mm -hmm. this is just not something that I've had to traverse before is that yeah. level of masculinity. And also I, I think living in Johannesburg and in, in South Africa, you kind of see that masculinity, that kind of highly performed, um, very masculine masculinity. Um, you see it as a little bit of a threat, you yeah. know, it's um, like blokish, but in South Africa, that can take on such a different yeah, kind of like a almost a feel. violent. There's almost an undercurrent mm. of violence at any given mm. point in time. That is, I think, totally my perception, and certainly yes. not his. Yes, stuff. obviously, yeah. Um, but yeah. I do think it's been it's been a yeah. wild ride. It's been super interesting. Yeah, yeah. As it is, right? Yeah. yeah, as it is. I mean, I so my pregnancy was really weird. I kind of think about it in two parts. And the one is very much along this path of the PhD mm -hmm. and finishing off that chapter. And I mean, before that, you know, it was just, God, I think it was like three crazy years. Cause I went from, mm. I was meant to be finishing the PhD in mm -hmm. 2015. Was it? 2015 yeah and then i went home for that conference i was then diagnosed with hodgkin's lymphoma mm. i then stayed home home meaning cape town so just mm. to be close to family mm. um and, and undergo then treatment. undergo treatment mm. which you know i mean six months of chemo i mean i'll never actually forget that kind of moment of complete kind of shock and just disbelief i mean i actually i i actually said to the I said to the specialist when he told me, because I mean, I had not heard of Hodgkin's before. Well, I hadn't heard of Hodgkin's before. I hadn't you heard me. of Hodgkin's lymphoma before. And he, he said, he's looked at myself and it was my, me, my, my mom, my dad. And he said, you have something called Hodgkin's lymphoma. It can be, um, you need six months of chemotherapy. And only when he said that, body. did I realize, yeah, completely out of body. Did yeah. I realize fucking hell this man is saying i have a kind of cancer yeah. and then he followed it up with um uh by saying which i heard many times throughout the next six months if there's any kind of cancer that you want to have this is it i did it all myself this one mm -hmm. this one Okay. Mama, 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 mama. So, um, yeah, so that was pretty wild. I was in a completely different headspace. Um, I was in a completely different, um, and when I say headspace, I mean kind of emotional, physical. I, I was just really in tune with my body and I was really in tune with my mind. I knew what I needed to do to finish up the project. Um, I was six months from submitting. I would have completed on time. Um, I was on a, on a full scholarship. Um, 
and it had not been an easy two and a half or a little bit more than mm. that years mm. up until that point. Mm. Emotionally, physically, I mean, you know, I got to England and I was like, where the fuck am I? Mm. You know, you know all of this. And you were living in like this rural little town. Yeah, I was in small like, town England, yeah. you know. And when we imagine, um, I guess the UK in, in like at large, I suppose we imagine London, yeah. right? And so that was not so my experience. And so fucking far. And so um, anyway, so, so, so I guess not to lament that too much, but basically I... It was that for a year, and then um, but it I is, got it's back. Not, it's not necessarily yeah. sorry, sorry. I know I'm interrupting you, but it's not necessarily to say it's not to lament that too much. But it was such a pivotal, yeah, life-defining moment in Completely. your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I even think that like the the girls around you, like myself, I can speak for myself definitely. Knowing you then, and we were really close. I remember when yeah. you called, yeah, to tell me that you had had you had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I wasn't actually going to see you. I don't think we had seen each other. I was in Joburg, you were in yeah. Cape Town, you were just here for a short while. And, or maybe I had, I actually can't recall, it's, it's all a blur, but I had had that car accident just before. Yes. And here I am on fucking crutches in um, KZN. Yeah. Doing some research work there that I needed to do to put bread and butter on the table. Mm. And I thought my life was shit and falling yeah, apart. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. called and you told me about your Hodgkin's lymphoma. And mm. one, I'd never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the severity. When mm. you said six months chemo, that was also a penny drop moment for me, like just yeah. being realizing, okay, shit, this is actually quite serious. Yeah. And what, what does this actually mean for you, you know, um, as a person? Yeah. And then you were always super independent. Yeah. Hadn't lived at home for the longest time. You then moved back in with your mom. Yes. And really take on quite like a, a lot more of a vulnerable childlike role where totally. like your mom was facilitating quite a lot, thankfully, mm -hmm. during that mm -hmm. period of time mm. because you only had the capacity for so much. So mm. I think that like it's not necessarily to lament it, but it is to say to people who don't know you that that was such a huge moment. And also, yeah. babe, we were, how old are we? 29, 30? Yeah, so 28, 29? we were in our 29th year because my 30th birthday yes. was in Cape Town and you were there, Alex was there, Tracy was yeah. there, Lucetti was Lizzie. there, yeah. um, a whole bunch of other very close friends. But I mean, that kind of yeah. group of girlfriends, everybody came to Cape Town. It was such a big moment. Um, and... You know, I mean, I think the thing with going through something like a cancer, um, I think being diagnosed with something like that because of the stigma attached, you just think you're going to die. Yeah. So everything you do during that period of chemo, there's this kind of, there's a weird thing that goes on because I think I said this too many times, but you don't trust your body. So I just, I just felt really angry at my body for a hot second mm. because I was just like, you've let me down in this really crucial moment. And I was meant to finish my PhD by 30. And you're so young. And I, yeah, you're so young. You just like, I said that to this guy. I said to him, you've got to be joking. I am the fittest I've ever been. The healthiest. I am the healthiest. I am the most, you know, on point. Um, I mean, I kind of laughed it now, but like, I imagine that must be what it's like being an athlete going into a big race or a big game or, uh, you know, a, a, yeah, a big kind of competition where you're just, you're focused, you know, and I felt that way and I felt really strong. And to then be told in that kind of moment, you, your body is fighting really hard and, and there are things going mm. on in your body that are not 
working with mm. you mm. you're kind of going am i so delusional and so far removed from myself yeah. Yeah. are you like serious yeah. right now yeah so there's all of that kind of stuff going on um what i will say though cape town was when i look back now it was a really incredible time mm. chemo was fucking hard mm. but i i was strong and because i was strong my body bounced back in ways that many other bodies did not because what happens is you know you i mean also sidebar issue but i was not on medical aid at the time I then had to go into public health care. So, you know, you just have a completely different experience of yourself. It's like out of body, on top of out of body, on top of out of body. And um, I had to basically go every two weeks for six months and sit in like a chair, a lazy boy and sit there. And you don't always see the same people, not because they they don't want to come for their treatment, but sometimes they can't afford to get a taxi from fuck knows where to get to Grotesquiet. So, yeah, so that, that was a lot. And then at the end of that year, as you know, because you attended my wedding, my partner and I, uh, at the time, we then, in a wild decision, decided to get married. Can um, I just say, though, my personal experience of that, because I've, yeah. I've spoken to you about this, but it kills me still to this day. <laughs> so Dee and I literally, like, we speak all the time. Every, you know those besties that you're literally obsessive about, that you're like, my husband knows, he's like, I'll be on my phone and he'll be like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, Dee. And he's like, but you've just seen her. I don't understand. What is this about? <laughs> you know, like, just a ridiculous no, amount babe, of obsessiveness. Don't like, lie. He has stopped asking He, he just asking. knows. He has stopped asking. But, <laughs> so Dee and I literally lived off of WhatsApp. In fact, at one point we were talking about like just turning our WhatsApps into a book because it's like so dramatic. Like the, you know, our experiences of the world in our twenties and all that crazy shit. Right. So we talk all the time when you were in the uk we spoke all the time when you were traveling we spoke all the time like there was never ever a gap there was never a moment there wasn't ever a breath right a day if the day goes by where we've just said good morning to each other you best to know the next day we're doing our full postmortem as to why was that day so hectic so so with that said so i had just been to been to cape town and i i distinctly recall standing with you in the in the kitchen yeah. And having a conversation about your ex-partner, your, yeah. your, your, your partner at the time. Baby daddy. Baby daddy. <laughs> ex-husband, yes, right? Yes, that's it. So, so we have this conversation. We won't go into great detail about what the conversation entailed. Then I'm like, I leave. Okay. Next thing. <laughs> I don't hear from your motherfucking ass for a minute. Like, I just hear the basics. Like, hey, how are you? Fine, fine, fine. Okay. And I'm like, this is my day went. And I'm rattling off in the first while. <gasps> to no fucking avail. You're literally just responding with the, oh, that's cool. And I knew, I knew something was up then. And it was literally your birthday's in August. And then like probably September, oh, end of, beginning of October. I finished my email. September. Okay. October, November. No, it was October. Yeah. My email pops off. Save the motherfucking date. <laughs> hey. Do you remember that? I was just like, I was so blown away. I picked up the phone and I was like, this is why you haven't been talking to me. <laughs> A complete dearth and silence. Like, it was just like, there was nothing. There was like, no comms. And then all of a sudden, I get the save the date. So obviously, we haul ass, uh-huh. we make a plan, we get yeah. down to Cape Town for your wedding. So yes, yes girl, I was at your wedding. <laughs> Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> No, you were there. Uh, thank you. Um, I actually don't remember any of that, but I do remember it being an incredibly intense time. Hmm, you don't say, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it was so 
intense. Um, yeah, but we we did the fucking wedding. Like we pulled it together. It was. You look beautiful. It was wild. Thank you. It was it was wild. Mm. Um, yeah, we did that, and then moved in together for a brief. Moved stint. in together for a brief stint, and then. And then I was like, cool, I got to go finish my PhD. So I packed it in. Um, yeah. And went back to the UK. And went back to the UK. And I, um, I decided I wasn't going to do small town England again. So I, um, actually because of my, um, because of baby daddy found or, um, was then hooked up with some really amazing people and got, an insanely small apartment, but um, in Hackney, which um, was just fantastic. I mm. lived my best life for really seven, did. eight months. Yeah. Um, and still, in some ways, often miss that um, weird experience of just being in a city. and um, well, Which is a different... A walkable city. A walkable a friendly, city. A woman-friendly city. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, Hackney, lots of people told me that Hackney in the kind of late 90s was not what it is. So very much, you know, I was very much kind of living in the, I guess, in the Woodstock of sure. London, right? Sure. Um, the Bramfontein, I suppose, in, in Joburg terms of London. And, um, and yeah, I just, I was just living this life on my fucking shit stipend, but it was fantastic. And then he came for a short stint and I thought I fell pregnant so quickly. Mm. Um, Which was so, also a surprise in view of the, the Hodgkin's, yeah. right? Because that's what everyone says is that afterwards your body is just absolutely. not the same. And, yeah. Absolutely. So that's what I actually wanted to swing back to was that from this one extreme of my body's let me down, I'm dying, you know, how could this happen to yeah, me, yeah. you know, to, hey, hi, I'm here, you know, and I was just like, this is not even happening, this kid's not going to survive, shame, you know, the Hodgkin's, Did the think that Hodgkin the, cells are going to eat my kid alive, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> the chemo remnants, um, this kid just chilled, huh? Like, Kath, I, and two to his fucking personality from the gate, this child chills. I mean, he is, he'll watch me. Cool, yeah, you do you, mum. Cool. Um, okay. He stayed. He, I was exhausted. I was working insane hours because for me, not finishing the PhD was not an option. I was not going to do it. I had put it on pause before, before. because I was ill. Yeah. I had just a few months left of the scholarship, I had to do it. I applied for some emergency grant funding mm -hmm. from, from Warwick, where mm -hmm. I was at, um, the, the university I was at. Um, I got that, which I think gave me another two or three months. I was not going to stop for shit. So, so the pregnancy, in a weird way for me, became um, this really beautiful experience, like quite cathartic, quite special in... A whole host of different ways. It made ways. you trust your body again. It made me trust my body again. And Tao, you know, he was just, he was just this kid from the very fucking inklings. He just, I would go, I remember I was working with a friend at, um, who was at SOAS and I was actually working in their PhD lab. We would meet at eight in the morning. Norma and I would stop somewhere in the afternoon for lunch. We would keep going. I would take short naps, like move my, um, my keyboard. <laughs> A little bit aside. Yeah, move it aside. And then I'd put my head down and I would just tell her, like, babe, I need to just take a catnap. She's like, baby, you need to take care of the baby. Do that. Yeah. So it was this, it was a really beautiful experience. Um, crazy, but incredibly beautiful. Mm. 
um, yeah, that was, that was pregnancy. And then I think it was like six and a half months and I had to come back here. And that was completely different too. Because in England, of course, you go to the state facilities, you go when you are told to go. Um, I was told that I was a little bit overweight. So I, I don't know, there was some issue and mm. I didn't feel like I was mm. overweight because I don't know, it was just very weird. Mm. But, um, I, they put you in categories there. And so if they flag you as pretend, oh, they take your BMI and if your BMI, BMI is so problematic. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was just like, guys, this is 2016. Why are we yeah. doing this? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what they do there. And, um, then I came back here the end of January mm. and then got on. Oh no, actually I started the kind of midwife doula search when I was on that side already. Yes, Much remember, thanks yeah. to you really, yeah. because you and I were having those constant conversations, you know, um, and you were three months ahead of me. Mm. So it always meant that we were in conversation, but also things I was dealing with, you had often just come out of, mm. Mm. you know, which was so interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, so pretty wild times, but you know, we did it. I got your birthing team. My partner and I went shit. Um, that was another kind of insane but long distance. I mean, it's it's hard to to yeah. keep it together. To keep it together, yeah. yeah. I mean, one can barely you keep know, it together otherwise. Yes. Mm. So but I yeah, thought, I, I don't know. Maybe you want to speak a little bit about um, your birth experience as well. Oh, I mean, you were in Cape yeah. Town, and like, just what that was like for you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and the kinds of choices that that you you and I kind of made, and what that that looked like for us. Mommy, the boss. Who was the boss? Mommy, the boss. The boss of who? Is Mommy the boss? Much of the birth, um, I suppose, on the choices that I made around the birth, um, I made when I was in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I said, it was very weird. It was like, uh, I think of the pregnancy in these, so almost two thirds of it in, um, the UK. And then I kind of think of the last, the last final bit of it in, in South Africa. Although, um, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It was because, of course, there's also fourth trimester thing. So, if, yeah, so th- there's a lot going on. But the choices that I made, I, for the most part, made when I was in the UK, but only met people when I then got back to South Africa, which yeah. is also really weird. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as you've pointed out, you and I pretty much speak every day. So we were speaking about these choices, what makes sense, why natural birth, what does it mean to... Um, I suppose place oneself in a position where you're just going into something like this saying, I want to do a natural birth. I feel like this is possible for me. And to speak back to what you said about your mom, um, my mom gave birth to both my sister and I naturally. So for me, that was the narrative. I was like, okay. Mm. Um, And then as the pregnancy kind of continued, you know, she kind of added snippets about things that I'd never heard before. So stuff about her own mother, so my gran, who had birthed four kids, my mom being the eldest, and then three boys after that, sure. um, where a midwife would come to the house with a little black kind of medicine bag with everything she needed in it and would sit in the room. And my grandpa still lives in that house. Yeah. So I I can, can imagine. Yeah, this, I can kind of imagine. Yeah. Like really small council house in Grassy Park. 
and she would go and sit there and he was not allowed in. Of course. Men yeah. Went, men were not allowed in those spaces. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. weren't allowed in those spaces. And because my mother was the eldest and she was a girl, when she was old enough, she would have to like take little things, water or whatever my gran needed. And then, um, you know, he would come back in once the baby was born. So it was just really interesting to me to to That's think about and kind of, I guess, reimagine some of that stuff, you know? Um, can, can I just say, sorry, a mm, complete s- s- aside, mm, but just thinking about the way in which we birth now, mm, we birth much like we work, where there's a deadline, there's a pressure, absolutely. there's a sense of like, oh, it's been 16 hours, you must be exhausted, you know? And I, I really feel like that idea of like a midwife coming in and sitting, mm. There's a sense of a lack of intervention. There's a sense of I will intervene when it is appropriate, and they sit and they just are in the room with, mm. with your grandmother or whoever that is who's birthing, and sure. allow that process to unfold as it unfolds. Sure. And I think that we, as young women now, certainly don't have that, and you have to choose almost a counter narrative. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you want that like non-interventionist birth, but it has to be chosen fairly quickly in your pregnancy, or certainly in your first pregnancy. Mm. Where there's so much that you don't know. So there's yeah. so much happening to your body. There's so much happening to you and your partner. There's so, if you are with your partner, there's so much just happening in life mm. as well that you have mm. to navigate mm. that you have to be so like woke and wise, either having seen a, a relative or a friend having gone through it normally, where you're, you're making those decisions fairly upfront. Mm. Um, so mm. I just think it's incredible because like my midwife was saying, that historically they used to come in and knit a hat. Mm, you told me you this. Know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it was, and that's so beautiful. It's beautiful, and mm. it was also just to allow the mom the time mm. that is required mm. for her body to do do what was necessary. Yeah. And what I also found interesting about what, about your mom um, is that I think that she thought that you were bougiefying it, mm. um, and that there was too much thought and like like why but are you was all I not? thinking that? Was I, I not? I think we all do, but it's because it's a counter narrative. I think you have to, there is a bougie-fying that happens because mm. we're not in the public, I didn't, I didn't birth through the public uh, mm. healthcare system. Mm. I birthed through the private healthcare system, mm. you know. And even even looking at the public healthcare system in South Africa now, caesareans are on the rise. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It, I do think it is interesting. I was chatting to a friend who birthed through the, pu- the public healthcare system. She had a C-section. And I was sure. like, shit, really? They do that? Mm. You know, so I think mm. that, like, I do think that that I I think that because it's become almost this like it's 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 a it's a narrative that speaks back to like this 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 hegemonic narrative sure. around C sections and that you've got to do it in a specific time mm. and you've got you 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 are in too much pain you're too you're too tired you're too mm. whatever the case is that I do think it becomes it becomes a bougie-fied experience. I think it only becomes bougie-fied if you have access to bougie things. Yes, right, hundred percent. I also think that um, I think that for natural birth to be a choice, I think that's also a bougie kind of middle class experience, because for for public sector for women who go in to a pregnancy in a public s- sector space, they assume that they will birth naturally. None of them actually go in knowing that they will birth. Or that C-section is an option. Yes. Mm. They don't know that. And so, um, so I almost feel like, I don't know, like that's like a, okay. like a huge conversation, yeah. which I think we'll we park. need to do. We need to park it. We need to park it. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, 
so yeah but i mean i you i think you and i were incredibly privileged in this way 100%. where not only were we able to have the births that we imagined that we wanted to have the births that we intended to have we i mean we're also both like stubborn as fuck so you know we were like yeah i'm doing this I don't care, baby. You're coming out the vagina like that. But um, I mean, I remember speaking to you afterwards. But I, after your birthing, uh, after after you birthing a kind of, yeah, yeah. um, but I, yeah, our experience was really interesting. I went to, I started having this thing, which I don't know if other people have had this. I'm sure they have, but it's called prodromal pains. Um, or prodromal labor. I vaguely remember this, yes. Fuck me. For a week before yes, this remember. shit came out, I remember. he I remember. was like, I woke up every night and I was at my mom's and I would pace my room on the other side oh of the God, house. Babe. I was pacing. I was like, like full on breathing. Contractions are happening. Nothing. Nothing else. Mm. Nothing else. Mm. I would then eventually fall asleep out of sheer exhaustion. Um, and then be up the next day. So I, whenever people ask me, how long were you in labor for? I'm like, long, a week. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I was technically in labor, I suppose. I don't know. I I, had never actually thought about the hours, but I went to see Sandy. Your midwife. My midwife at 12, the day before Tao was born. So I went to her. She said to me, I was about two or three centimeters dilated. Um, my, my ex and I then went, we had lunch in observatory. Yeah, we hung out. I remember this. Yeah. I went home. Yeah. I hung out in my mother's bath yeah. for a minute. Yeah. We then went to the hospital because Cape Town, weird, has no birthing centers in the way that Joburg does. That's weird. Yeah. So there's something now, um, it's still not a birthing center, but it's something about zoning. I can't remember what it was, but, um, yeah, but the hospital, Vincent Pilati, has been facilitating natural births and the um, the obstetricians there have a good relationship with many of yeah. the midwives in Cape Town. So there's been this kind of historical relationship. That's where we went. We went in at about 10. Tao was born at 4 in the morning. Um, so I'm going to go with labor was long. <laughs> <laughs> If you're saying 12, you were three centimeters dilated and he came in at at four, that's 16 hours of like just hard motherfucking slog. Long, hard ass slog with lots of weird shit in between, which we need, I think, a whole whole other conversation. A whole other conversation um, for what birth actually looks like. But um, yeah, we were... We just missed the drought in Cape Town. So we were in a bath. We hung out there. We rocked up. I think... Fuck, man. I think we rocked up with three bags and like a yoga mat and shit. People were like, yo, what is going on here? I think that that's also another conversation is the pecking for the birth. Because Jesus, I played no games. My entire hallway was lined with bags. And my husband was like, are you fucking serious? We're taking everything. I was like, everything. We're taking everything. (laughs) Don't play games. Okay, so I totally hear you. So, yeah, that was us. Um, We had to do loads. Not me, obviously. I had the load of baby. (laughs) Yeah, so that was really fun. Um, I I had a... We had a weird wobble where... I think I got to about uh, six or seven centimeters. I... um, Sandy came in and she said... It's also weird for me that the midwife isn't there the whole time. That actually your doula is your person. So Joey was, well, my husband was my person. 
Yeah. The doula was like feeding him and like getting him to oh. feed me. And she was like, she was facilitating a lot of what needed to be facilitated. Yeah. So that was different for me, but the midwife wasn't in the room all the time, but she had birthed yes. the night before. So oh. she was exhausted. So she was literally sleeping down the hall, oh, like wow. just coming in intermittently to check how I was. And babe, if I have to be honest, I actually prefer that because I yes, have developed yes. a relationship with my doula. Totally. I have a relationship with my husband. Yes. So, and my midwife, I had seen her and we mm. had a relationship, but she mm. reminds me a lot of my mom. She's quite like... Mm. straightforward direct yeah don't fuck around yeah partly esoteric partly um anatomical about what's what's sure. actually happening and biological sure and i appreciated the mix but she's also mm. just like nah yeah i remember vividly sorry i know i'm derailing the conversation no, to, to me but like i remember vividly her coming in and her saying loud enough for me to hear and i think purposefully mm. um i've called the gynae this ain't happening She's not be like this is clearly just not happening. Mm. So the guy is gonna come in and mm. if she if she doesn't get it together and push soon, we're gonna have a C section. Oh wow. And it reminded me so vividly of my mom, right? Yeah. So just a little bit of context. My mom is a white mom, my dad is colored, colored being mixed race for people who are listening outside of SA. Um but so <laughs> my mom has always just been like very Caucasian in her ways of engagement. Sure. Where she doesn't fuck around. She's like this is what's happening and fuck you if you think any differently, right? And mm. I felt like there was a visceral childlike reaction to her being like, I've called the gynae because, mm. you know, you're getting tired. Mm. And I was like, fuck you. I'm gonna show you the baby's coming out. Exactly. And I think actually if it hadn't been for her and she was very clear because I one of my fears, fears was tearing, mm. which I did do awfully. But mm. she was very clear around like, oh, this is something that's that's a concern for this girl. So she looked me in the eye between contractions and mm. I was in the water. You weren't. I know you yeah. didn't birth in the water. I did. Um, but she looked me in the eye and she was like, if you don't push this baby out now, I'm pouring the gynae and your cervix is soft. You're not going to tear. She was like, she just so pointed and ran no. how she engaged me. Mm. And I appreciated that. So um. like, you know, like that was very necessary for me at that yeah. time. I can, I just say, I think midwives are incredible. Amazing. I mean, I, I have friends who some who have chosen, I mean, you both and yeah. bo both of us have friends yeah. who have some who have chosen to, to go with yeah. cesareans. Yeah. Some who have had to, you know, they've landed on the table, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, so cool. Like, not everyone can choose the natural birth. I get it. I was also, you know, Tao and I were on the brink of going that route too. Um, similarly, my midwife was saying, she came to me at one point, she said, um, so, 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 Tao's dad was there, um, the doula was there. I, I found her incredible. She was like super gentle throughout mm. the pregnancy because I, I mean, I only met her a little after six months in. So we we kind of got to know each other over three months. Um, she was super gentle with me, but also super gentle with him. She knew we were traversing a difficult path. But on the day, oh my God, I, I actually couldn't have chosen somebody better. Mm. Sandy, the midwife, was so similar to what you're saying about, um, about your midwife. Was mm. she, at some point she came to me, she said... You are six centimeters dilated. You are not progressing, mm. honey. Failure to progress, girl. Failure to progress. If mm. you don't go beyond this in the next two hours, I'm giving you two hours. And then I'm calling the doctor. I'm calling hey. the obstetrician. The threat. The threat. <laughs> it may not happen. I just need to let you know. Mm. <laughs> I was like, girl, you and I, we're going to see each other. Cool. But, but I think it's also so 
like particular oh, to our also, personalities. Totally. Completely. Tell I, me I can't do it. Fuck tell me I can't you. do it. Tell me I can't do it. <laughs> my water hadn't broken. That yeah. was my other thing. My oh, water had not broken. I this that. kid had not dropped. So I, I went into labor. That. Yeah. I was having contractions super close together. My water had not broken. Jesus. She didn't how she started that conversation with me was I'm going to break your water now. Shit's gonna get real, honey. And it did. And it did. I was throwing up everywhere. <laughs> it was real. It was real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Babe, not only were you throwing up, there was oh, I was throwing up. I I'm gonna tell y'all. I birthed on all fours, shitting like a horse. My partner, well my husband at the time, I don't think he had ever seen anything. I remember Oh, well, I'll tell you about the afterwards in a second. But like at the time, I was like, this is a lot. If I shit on this baby and he has poo on him, when I see him, I don't know what I'm going to do. But You kept on saying to me, I didn't know I had that much shit. I did not Consequently, I have friends who have gone on full on weird diets and things yeah. to not, not poo too. during pregnancy. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, no, literally, I yeah. did not know this fact. Oh, God. Um, not that I can say I would have stopped eating, whatever, but it was so weird for me. So yeah. I was on all fours, you know, I was very aware. Most primal. I, in my most primal state, you know, <laughs> I read about these things. I'd watched videos and I was just like, wow, <laughs> yeah, go you, yes. <laughs> Thankfully for me, I did not tear. Yeah, you didn't tear. But then also, can I say, you've got that amazing photograph where you caught him because you were so yeah, worried about the shit. So, I, I mean, mean. <laughs> you know, I was at all for she literally, it was like magical stuff. She pushed him underneath. Yeah. I got him. I stood up. I was on my knees. Yeah. It was just yeah, so beautiful. beautiful. Um, you know, and, and looking at that photo forevermore, I see and can feel that moment, yeah. you know, and so whatever else has happened, that will, that is something I'll never get back and yeah. nobody can ever take from me yeah. or from him, not yeah. that he'll remember. Yeah. Um, but it was wild <laughs> in the moment and I, yeah, I afterwards, um, you know, he was out, I was sitting, we were holding each other and I was like, I... <laughs> I can't be here. I need to go and sort myself out in the world. So, yeah. So, for all of you who yeah. are concerned about what may happen, there may be some poo. There may be some poo. That's all I'm going to say. But I do think, I think actually, Dee, like just thinking about it is that I think we need a long, lengthy conversation and maybe we'll meander back to this many yeah. times yeah. around birth because I yeah. think that there's a lot of preconceptions going in. I didn't have a guideline like you did with your mom mm-hmm. and your grandma. Mm-hmm. Um so I was really working off in the dark around what that would look like for me. And I think I think we need to circle back to this. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. Mama, 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 mama. Hey, I'm Kathleen. And I'm Dee. And you're listening to Mamas with Attitude, otherwise known as MWA. Mama, 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 mama. The same way I immersed myself in my career. Yeah. You've now immersed yourself in motherhood. I've now immersed myself in motherhood. Mommy the bounce. Mommy the bounce. Mommy the bounce. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, motherhood just comes to take on its different shapes and forms. Mama. 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 (laughs) No, actually, seriously, on a serious note, it's it's been really dope. Thank you. Okay, bye. Mama. 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 Mama.
get you.